out of nowhere, trading cards have become a major thing again. Gary V is all over sports cards. Logan Paul has gone crazy for Pokemon. Did you see him pull the first edition Charizard during his live YouTube stream? Do you even know what pulling a Charizard means? I mean, I didn't. But the trend is infiltrating FinTubers like Graham Stephan and Andre Jick, reliving their childhood, investing in rare cards. Although, let's be real, I'm pretty sure Andre never stopped collecting cards. But collectibles of all sorts have become big business. One of our startup companies is a company called Rally Road. They're a platform for buying and selling equity shares in collectible assets. Chris actually invested in the IPO of his childhood dream car. You can buy shares of all sorts of collectibles. So you can, like a real Heisman Trophy, a complete set of first edition Pokemon. Pokemon cards, a, a 1986 Macintosh computer signed by Steve Jobs. If that shows up on my desk here someday, you'll know that I've really lost my mind. But no, that's not what we bought. And we didn't buy a bunch of Charizard cards either. How did we spend our $350,000? We actually invested in something that the members of our Discord community brought to us. And we're going to tell you all about it today. This is Dumb Money Live. With Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. And I, I don't even know if I mentioned how excited I am to have guests from our Discord joining us. They'll be on in just a bit. But Chris, Jordan, decades before Gary Vee was shopping garage sales and collecting trading cards, before he was even probably working at that wine shop, our very own Chris Camillo was the king of garage sales. Chris, that has to be partially why you're so excited about today's investment. Dude, I was the king of baseball cards even before that. Garbage pail kids, dude, I have in my garage right now boxes and folders of what must have been, I don't know, as a kid, thousands of dollars of this stuff. It was my life. Do you still, do you still have your garbage pill? So we are a little older than the Pokemon generation. We were talking about this the other day. I had garbage pail kids, but I never thought of it as a collectible. I just thought of it as a thing that you trade with your friends. And, you know, mine would have been in terrible condition because I didn't care. And I, the only time I collected sports cards, the, uh, the, the police officers in our neighborhood used to just hand them out to kids you know, when, when you would see a police car, it would be like, oh, you can go get a you can go get a Dallas Cowboy trading card from the uh, UP and HP police. Yeah, when I was a kid, it was all baseball cards. So it was like right in that upswing of the big baseball card. And so I've got I've got a huge, a huge like what is it, Rubbermaid container just filled with sports cards. I've got like rookie cards and Nolan Ryan and all sorts of stuff. Uh, Jordan. So cool. Jordan, I was I was an early 80s kids on Long Island, dude. Baseball yeah. cards <laughs> was the only thing I knew existed. That's the only I thing. In fact, I thought it was weird that people collected football cards. I'm like, this is so weird. It's all baseball, baby. All baseball. Dude, uh, not in Dallas. I went to card shows every two to three weeks. Literally, yep. that was my life going to card shows. And then, Dave, you know this, in high school, middle school and high school, all I did was wake up at 5 a.m. on Thursdays and Fridays 
and I would go to garage sales and estate sales and arbitrage old junk and collectibles. Dave, you did a movie on it for there, you, know, you did a little that, that, video. Uh, I did in the uh, oh gosh, it was it was it had to be, we were we were in college. You can't say that this was like that that. No, I did yeah. it. I did it all through middle school and high school. You might not have filmed your video until college. Garage sale underworld. The video that Dave Hansen produced on my life is a garage sale, whatever you king of we, the garage um, sale world in Texas. We we actually showed it during one of our uh, live shows. I'm not even sure which one. I'm going to put that on the the uh, Dumb Money Live channel just as a video that people can watch. Oh, sometime dude, later great. today, go, go back to Dumb Money Live and you can watch the full uncut. Garage Sale Underworld because I think I hey, had to cut this is twenty five years before Gary V twenty five years before he started talking about any of this stuff. How old I was is he? out he probably, there. Yeah, he was probably just a, a, a he was probably ten years old when you were out there buying. You were you would buy collectible like uh not like fan not fan. fan memorabilia but actual metal fans that blow like air circulation kind of fans and you had I a have. guy called the Fan Man that you would you would go buy them and then you would sell them to the Fan Man and that's just like that was your money-making scheme eBay eBay didn't exist when I want to sell something I had to find a random person who loved that type of thing and that would be my dealer for that one type of thing it was actually insane it was insane anyway I never, I never collected that I, I I really never collected anything the only thing I, I collect iPhones is you, I have boxes full of them back here uh, and I collect old microphones and that's really it and I, I only got into old microphones once eBay was a thing because it made it easy to have something that I thought was cool. I'll tell you what, this is weird, though, because I haven't collected anything since I was a kid. I mean, I literally collect nothing. I try to get rid of stuff now. Well, I well, did a major sweep. When I, when I moved to this house, I basically sold everything. I just put, you know, the Facebook marketplace. I said, if you want it, it's in my garage. Come get it. Leave whatever money you think it's worth in the mailbox. Well, guys, here's what's so interesting. The value of sports cards for about 20 years, went through the toilet, completely disappeared. Yeah. The cards that I had, my Don Mattingly rookie, I had literally, it was my prize and joy my entire life, was my 1984 mint tops set with a Don Mattingly rookie in it. That thing's worth like 18 bucks today. I probably paid more for it in 1984. The problem um, is one- tops and these companies started just producing tons of cards, right? And so... The rarity went down. I think it made people lose interest. Even some of the stuff that was a little bit more rare before they really started cranking up. It's um, and all these people that were doing this had to, you know, go to college and start their careers and just they got busy, right? And but so this is where we're kind of having a, a like a newfound era where people are doing this kind of out of nostalgia. And I don't is this really an investment or is it just something you enjoy that actually might turn into something more valuable. Uh, well, look, it's it two things, you right? So you've got to think, it is down. the card itself an investment or is it fun? Is it nostalgia? Probably both. But are there investments around this you can make um, that take advantage of some of the stuff that's going on right now? And I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm watching the uh, the comments here. P- people who have seen Garage Sale Underworld are saying that, uh, Chris, you need to bring back that hair from the video. I don't know that I can <laughs> actually physically do that. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you this. I get what you're saying, guys, but I'm going to tell you something right this second. I believe that this is the beginning of a super cycle, okay? Well, a and generational. It's a 25-year cycle, right? And if you if you subscribe to the Gary B, Gary V world of collecting, we're, we're entering the era where, where it yes. should be big, right? 
It's it's the beginning of a generational super cycle, a cultural shift towards collecting and where collecting isn't even collecting, it's investing because this new generation really likes the concept of investing in things that emotionally speak to them. Example, Tesla emotionally speaks to them. Well, that's great. That's a stock. What else emotionally speaks to them? Pokemon. We've seen the Graham Stephan video. He loved he loved Pokemon as a kid. It's it's close to his heart. And you know what? Like these things speak to this generation and I truly believe that this generation is going to be the next big generation of investors. I said it. That's it. It's happening. I, I know it's hard to believe, but you saw what happened this year at Robinhood. I think that's just the, that's literally just scratching the surface. And right? Chris, literally, isn't that part of why we're doing this? Because we want to help that next generation understand the stock market, not think of it as something that is unobtainable to them, something that they can't do, they're not smart enough to do, because that's kind of the Wall Street thing. It's like, we are Wall Street. We want you to invest in our funds so we can take your fees and, and do that. No, there's there's a way to do it yourself. And you just have to be smart about it. Yeah, but, he, but here's the thing, Dave. It's not just about stocks. I think a lot of this generation wants to walk before they run. And I think that's awesome, by the way. You know, it's about sneakers. It's about sports cards and Pokemon, basketball cards. You see the Michael Jordan uh, ESPN, like, you know, yep. movie this year, the series this year, his cards are what three, four, five hundred percent as Just a result of out, that. I don't know where. I mean, and you would have seen that coming. You knew that documentary was coming. If you were smart and if you were really doing the social arb trading for collectibles, you would have been buying those as soon as the documentary was rumored, right? All right. Well, let me tell you this, Dave. I actually was planning on buying Michael Jordan cards in bulk. When the pre before that whole show came out, right before the big uh, Michael Jordan show came out, I decided not to because of what was going on this year. I, we were making so much money in the stock market. I was like, "Am I really going to stop and buy like a bunch of Michael Jordan cards for like twenty, thirty, forty grand?" Off of the big, the big money, right? Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't the best year of our, if we didn't make. If we didn't make $18 million this year investing in the stock market, trading stocks, I'd be doing that. I'm not going to make $18 million trading Michael Jordan cards, right? Like that's love, the problem. I love how you whisper that so that your wife and kids don't hear that you've made that much money. Because they, they might want more things. Like, <laughs> it's, exactly, it's exactly it. You know they I don't can just watch YouTube. YouTube. What? You know they can just They're not watch allowed YouTube. to watch this show. It's like this show is almost like an X-rated show in their world, like they can. Oh, really? See, I walk out of the kitchen when I'm done, and uh, I always see the girls like watching. They're like, "Dad, we just saw you on YouTube." Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> we t anything like where it talks about my personal finances is off off limits to my kids. Like, I, as far as my kids are concerned, we are deeply in financial trouble, and they, they you know, cannot never afford anything. Okay, that, that that's how I want them thinking for the next fifteen years. <laughs> Until I, I mean, can not hide. What do you think? Yeah. Um, okay, guys, this is big. This is really, really, really crazy big. And we spotted this trend early, right? We the, that Rally Road Company. It's it's a startup, but you know, as as you know, we are startup investors. That's kind of what we did before we did this this channel talking about stocks. We've always done stocks and startups, and that was you know that was kind of spotting. We, a trend have, we have Dave. We have over sixty startup companies that we're directly invested in. Rally Road is one that we're not directly invested, but through Howard Lindzen's fund. Uh, Howard Lindzen's a close friend, friend of the show. And what's so great about Rally Road is that anybody in the world 
can literally invest in like a 50 bucks and buy a piece of a Lamborghini or a piece of a Ferrari or a piece of- And that's of what you the, did, right? I you bought-, bought, you uh, bought I, of the, Was it a Lamborghini? No, I actually bought a, um, I think it was a uh, uh, Ferrari F4, what did I get, an F4, Testarossa, I think it was an original Testarossa. Um, I have a stock certificate in my closet right now that says I own this many shares of that Testarossa. And at some point they'll sell it and I'll get a pro rata, you know, piece of the profits off that car. They store and the car, they, they take they care basically, of it. They basically treat these collectible assets like stocks. They own them and they let people buy shares and the price of the shares fluctuates. And then eventually the actual underlying asset can be sold and pay out. And you could trade the shares, Dave, company. once a month. Once yeah. a month, you could trade the shares. It opens up for four hours. So once a month, you could buy, sell shares in each of these things. It's amazing. I was on there just last night. I, now, I just, I just want to buy that Macintosh. Can you just imagine? Boom, right here. Old school Mac signed by Steve Jobs. But like, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to like make crappy art? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't really have any need for old computers. But I'm, just over, cool. I'm over all of it personally. But the thing is, you need not to be biased about this stuff. Jordan, I feel like you feel, and Dave, I think like you feel like I actually don't like having any of this stuff. I don't like collecting stuff anymore at all. But I'm I'm old. I'm 45 years old. I mean, I'm, I'm way over the hill for this. There's a new generation, a super cycle that's in the early stages where people think they want to have the tangible stuff that's emotionally connected to themselves yeah. that also has the potential to go up in value. You look at Logan Paul. These are the biggest influencers in the world right now in the finance world, Graham Stephan. There's so many. There's rap stars that are getting into this. There, People are spending millions of dollars now on these cards. It's actually driving so much social just unreal attention to this world and it's just getting started right and so everybody wants to feel connected to something that's cool and interesting and you know what the bottom line guys it's investing and it's huge because ultimately these people are going to move beyond those things into stocks into other investment categories but guys there's so much money to be made here by so many companies did you see stock x stock x is trading for like three or four or five billion dollars on the private market. Yep. It's insane where people are trading sneakers. It's unbelievable, quite Can honestly. You, okay, so what did we do? How did we spend $350,000? Okay, here's the thing. So I don't own any Pokemon, Pokemon cards, right? I, I, I didn't buy a Pokemon card for $350,000. But, but what is touching this industry that's highly liquid, that's just been sitting there and is perfectly suited Per beautifully suited to monetize this generational super cycle for all of these things, whether they're coins or trading cards or posters that are autographed, whatever it happens to be, you have to validate them. They call it grading, right? You have to grade this stuff, okay? Um, and the grade is basically says it's real and here's the condition. Here's the condition of this thing. Like it's legit and here's the condition of it. And it costs a lot of money to get this stuff graded, and you have to do it. And but that's what? what gives these things their value, because a level 10 is actually worth something, and a level, I don't even know how low they go. Nine is worth a lot less than a level 10. Yeah, a lot. Well, and, and even like a level nine is not not nearly as good as a level eight. Or no. no, no, no nine is better than eight. 10 is the best. <laughs> yeah, 10 is the top. Math. 
And, no. <laughs> and you might spend 20 bucks to get a single card, a vintage card graded. Well, here's the thing, guys. There's well, the only thing is you've got to like you've got to send it off, right? So you can't just go down the street and get it done. You've actually got to there's only a few organizations that do this, and you've got to yeah. actually ship out your collectible, get it graded, and then they've got to ship it back, right? Yeah, there's yeah. only like three places that do this. BGS and PSA are the two biggest. Actually, the biggest and the most prominent, especially when it comes to vintage, like actual things that are worth a lot of money cards, is PSA. Well, guess what, guys? PSA is actually owned by a publicly traded company called Collector's Universe. What about half of what they do is grading cards, about half of what they do is grading coins. And this company, let me tell you something, guys. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. I just think this company has been the mismanaged company for the past, I don't know, 20 years, right? And I don't want to say mismanaged because the truth is they have figured out a way to be the best at what they do. And you got to give them credit for that. What I mean by mismanage is missed opportunities. This yeah. company is essentially the gateway, right? They are the gateway for trading cards, the gateway, because you have to get your cards graded and they're the best at grading cards. You want to have a PSA grade, but they're not monetizing all of the other things they could be doing in this space, right? Yeah. They could be doing you know, anything from analytics to warehousing cards. There's all so many other ancillary businesses that they're not doing. And in fact, a hedge fund that's an activist hedge fund actually came out and took a 5% uh, position in this company, Collector's Universe. They think they could be worth well over a hundred bucks a share, but, and they're trying to force them to get rid of the board of directors because the board of directors has no interest in making these changes, put in a new board, and actually it's build a very this old school company in a very old school industry, right? Yeah. They've been doing that. They, they have like old timey baseball cards that, you know, are, it's just old. It's, it's an old school business model that has not really innovated. And yet this year, the stock has been on fire. Do you know why, Dave? Well, first of all, here's the thing. The average age of the board of directors, I think, is over 72 or something like that. Uh, not that you can't have super innovative people that are 72 or older. You absolutely can. But evidently, this board has not been innovative. They're not investing in the company. They don't personally invest in the company, from what I've read. This is from the shareholder activist letter uh, that went out. Yet at the same time, they're just pulling money out of the company. It, you know, they pay a dividend. They're just kind of on easy street. And here we are in the middle of a generational super cycle. And this is the one company that has the ability. Do you know what takes up to six or seven or eight months to wait to get your car graded right now? Could you imagine being in this company and having that many people waiting to pay you money? And it's six. Come on, get your stuff. Well, together. Look, here's the deal, though. I mean, they are they are an old school company. Like a quarter of their business is rating coins, right? Which that's not that's not taking off, right? And so then this portion has just recently taken off. Um, and I I read I listened to the uh, to the last shareholder um, uh, conference, and they are doing some things, right? So they are um, working on introducing robotics for sorting and identifying and video capture and things like that. I mean, are they where they should be? No. Uh, but you know, are they using our like, robotics company, Jordan? Sorting Robotics, the it, one that. See, I can't. I mean, I can't sure. tell. I don't. I don't. They didn't specifically call out the company that they're using, and uh, our sorting robotics company. I don't think said anything about it in their last update, so I, okay. I couldn't cross reference that. Okay. Um, okay, but Jordan, they said they've been doing these things for years, from what I understand, 
and they really are not making huge improvements yet. I think they will start to make those improvements. Why is it up so much, guys? Because this is not a huge secret. Here's the issue with this stock. Here's the issue with this trade. It's not about the fact that the stock is up triple, quadruple. That, that that's It's not just about that. It's about the fact that people are seeing this, right? Logan Paul has a video out, right? People yeah. are seeing this is the summer of trading cards, of Pokemon. Like the cat is out of the bag. They weren't prepared to have this kind of influx in popularity, which why would they be, right? It's it's They haven't seen this kind of spike in trading card popularity. And it would be, it would almost be dangerous for them to have, you know, a thousand people grading cards. I think they have like 500 employees or something. But yeah, can you so imagine if they were just sitting around, you know, for five years without any cards to grade? Now they just haven't been able to ramp up fast enough. Right. And so people are trained and you can't just you can't just onboard somebody. Um, no, they, they've got their processes in place. They've got mm -hmm. a, they've got to onboard new people in the middle of a pandemic. Right. And so they're having all sorts of stress. Um, and people, and I think that's the biggest danger, right? It's not just that it's a six or seven month turnaround, is that people realize that and they're not even sending them their cards right now because they're like, I'm not oh. going to wait six months to get my card back. Can you imagine what the insurance on their warehouse of other people's cards must be? Yeah, I, don't, that, I, I thought about that as well, Dave. Um, but here's the thing. So you have, the market understands what's going on. That's why the stock is trading up, right? Obviously. And so it's a small it, company. It's a it, there's not much volume traded. Any kind of hype towards this stock starts to move this stock. Yeah, and and by the way, they are making just so you understand, guys. They're making ten million dollars a year in net profit. It's a five hundred million dollar valuation company, so they're trading at about fifty times earnings, which is a lot. But you know, compared to you know some of the other companies we talk about, it doesn't seem like a lot at all. Here's the yeah. thing, guys. It's a lot. It's a lot if this company is just going to continue doing what they're doing. But if you think we're at the beginning of a generational super cycle, a cultural shift in the way we think about investing, including investing in collectibles and sports cards and Pokemon and all this stuff, if you believe that and you believe that Logan Paul is actually just the first of a hundred mega YouTubers to do this, if you think that... Justin Bieber is going to come out in 90 days talking about the million dollars of Pokemon cards he just bought. And then so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and the rap star. If you think we're at the beginning of that cycle and you also believe that this company, and I don't necessarily believe this, but that this company actually can wake up and figure out that they shouldn't just sit there and continue to charge people for grading cards, that they should wake up and realize there's literally 30 other businesses that they could build around being the gatekeeper to the most exciting industry we've seen. They need to do in a that. long time. It's it's dangerous for them to do that because we could be at the, you know, at the top of the bubble. This this whole card collecting thing could as soon as it gets too expensive for the average person to go out, nobody's nobody normal is going to go out and buy a two hundred thousand dollar box of cards, right? Oh, no, but you can go you can go buy a pack of cards, right? Yeah, and take your chance, right? And so there's also that bit of gambling involved. So you well, can Dave, take, how you about that? Cards, take a chance and see what you get. Kind kind of like Tesla is too expensive for people. I mean, come on. The the, the great thing about this is everybody can get involved with it. And and listen, yeah. you have an entire generation that is about to inherit. A trillion dollars. The quite only question you have to ask yourself is what are they going to do with it, right? And if they are interested in this stuff, listen, do I believe that this is going to be a cycle that lasts for 25 or 30 years? No, I do not. 
Do I think it's something that has potential to continue to accelerate over the next few years? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that to me, there's only one company that you could publicly invest in. And we know better than anyone that this generation of Robinhood investors are connected to the stock market like never before. And they are the first people to see how big this is blowing up. So what yes, I like about cr- this, I like I, what I like about Collectors Universe is they at the footer of their website, they have the fact that they are a public company, right? So if you are in this, you know that they're a public company, but it hasn't yet made it to the mainstream media. I haven't yet seen a story on CNBC nope. or the Wall Street Journal or any of the places where Wall Street would be looking, right? So right now the run-up might be some smart people. I mean, I know that there are some institutions, a lot of institutional investors actually hold this uh, one fund. It's like seventy percent, right? Seventy percent. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's. But I mean, you say institutional, they're not big institutions, guys. I mean, this is this is a company that could be taken out so quickly uh, if even one major institution got involved with it. I mean, dude, this So I like is... that. And I like that there's a barrier to entry to this business because there's only three companies really in the business and they're they're substantial. But what if they falter and one of the others figures it out? Hey, listen, here's the way I feel. And I'm going to I think we need to get our guest on because there's data here that what I love about this industry is there's lots of hard data that we can watch. And you know what? If you say, Chris, is it too late? You know what I'm going to tell you is. For, listen, by the way, we are not financial advisors. Do not do what we do. We're not telling you to invest in this company. We know what our risk is. Our risk tolerance is like crazy high. I have no idea what your risk tolerance is. I have no idea what your objectives are. Do not do what we do. But let me tell you something, guys. I'm going to watch the data on this company. Yes, I bought $350,000 of this company. Okay, I bought it this week. $350,000 of stock, and I'm going to watch the data. I'm going to watch the G trends. I'm going to watch the social bugs. And if we start to see a top in this sports card market and we start to see it decelerate, I'm out. I'm out. I'll get out first. Okay. That's why I'm comfortable being it. I think as long as we continue to accelerate this trend and these, what did I say about Generac? Remember Generac guys? They have a back order of generators. As long as they have a back order of generators and they physically cannot deliver, you know, generators, I think the stock's probably going to be okay. You just got to get out when that back order starts to kind of even out. Same thing here. Should we let's, get these guys? Let's welcome, this? let's welcome our guests from the Discord community. This is Albin and we have Ryan. Hey. Thank you guys oh. so much for, for joining us today. You guys found this. We didn't find this. How, guys, let's, start, let's start with Albin. How did, how did you find this trade? I mean, for a couple years, for two years, really, I just saw Gary V really, really pumping it on social media and his YouTube channel and everything. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not a card collector by any means. To me, this is nuts. This is just crazy. $200,000 for a Charizard. Like, so um, So you were completely not into cards. No, you, no. you just, you, you, you kind of like Gary V. You follow what he says. You follow him on all his socials because he's creating new content every 12 seconds. And he started to talk more and more about collectibles. Out Anything of money related catches my attention. So as soon as something spikes in value, I'm like, all right, what's this all about? So I'm a big fan of Pawn Stars on that on that show uh, in Vegas, the, the Pawn Shop. And one of the biggest Pokemon collectors of Charizards, the biggest holder of the, you know, the big population of them, goes on and just talks about them. And the guy's like, all right, this is nuts. I'm not interested. 
And, you know, he walks away and I'm just like, you know, there's something here. And I go on eBay. I'm just tracking uh, the prices and they're going up every week. They're going up. And I'm like, there has to be a way to monetize this without actually buying the car. Because I don't know nothing about this. I thought maybe eBay would be the play, but I don't know if it would be a needle mover for them. So I'm like, what is giving these cars this value is the grades. I'm like, bingo. The car grading companies has to be the way. So I go on Becky. Uh, car grading services website and i scroll down looking for investor relations i see it's you know llc private i'm like oh damn so i go to the next one and i see i scroll down on uh, psa nasdaq clct clct and i felt like the willy wonka kid where he opened up the chocolate bar and he found the golden tick i'm like this is the way to make money on this this has to be the way without buying the physical card itself did you buy did you invest and if you did what what when i found it in may mid twenties. And I'm like, I can't be the only guy. Like, who am I to have found this? Like it felt too good to be true. So I didn't buy in the mid twenties. It grew to the thirties. And then I, I jumped in heavy mid thirties and I've been adding a little bit, a little bit ever since. Yeah. I mean that, that, the feeling that you have, um, uh, Alvin, the, that feeling that you have is a feeling that I used to get all the time earlier in my investment, uh, career, of, there's no way I'm the only person seeing this. And that's something that you have to get rid of that thought because there is nothing behind the curtain. Behind the curtain, the Wall Street guys, the institutions, they're super, super slow. If you're seeing something and you kind of, you have that conviction level because you feel that it can move the needle and you've gone, you've done all your homework, for me at least, I'll ne- I will always pull the trigger. I always believe in myself, right? And and that's a really important exercise. But I'm glad you finally got in and something you believed in. Uh, very good, very good call. And, and by the way, these are these guys are from our Discord community. The d- dumb money. How do you get to Discord, Dave? I never if know. If you want to go to, uh, we basically let anyone in. It's free. There's we don't make money off of anything we do. Um, just go to dumbmoney.tv. Scroll down. Look for the Discord link. That's an invite that'll get you in. If you if you already have Discord, if you if you don't, you can download it. You can do it in browser. It's it's a it's a really cool tool for people to talk and chat. And we have rooms set up for a bunch of different stocks. I, I see in the in the live chat on this show that people are asking, "What is this you're talking about?" We're talking about Collectors Universe. The ticker symbol is C. LCT. Yeah. And, and, and Ryan, I know you, what's really cool. Ryan is another member of our discord community. Ryan, you're, you're, you're coming to us from your dorm room. I don't know what college you're at. Tell us that in a second, but you actually did a full data analysis, uh, deep dive research report that you shared with the entire, uh, discord community. Thank you, Ryan. Why don't you tell us how you came across this, this, uh, opportunity. First of all, what, what school are you at? What, what, where's your dorm room at there? Oh, I go to Cornell University. So I'm like in the middle of nowhere in New York State. Literally in nowhere. <laughs> awesome. How, how, do you, how do you find Collector's Universe? You know, I was just, so I was scrolling through TikTok like most 19-year-olds do these days, like I do. And I just came across this one video where this guy began exploring Pokemon cards. And that's when I clicked on my head and like, wait a minute. Something's happening here. And then when I first, then I saw Logan Paul's video and the fact that he got 5 million views on that one video and then 8 million views of him just opening up Pokemon cards for two hours straight. That's when I knew something was definitely going on and there was something changing. So I went around and tried to search for a company and sure enough, a CLCT ticker channel was already created in our Discord channel. And this is like the little golden nuggets of things that we like we as a, as the Dumb Money community should be doing is 
act actively going through the Discord and searching through all the chats. Because CLCT Discord channel was created in August 29. I only discovered this I only discovered the trade until in October. It took us a solid three months before we realized something was changing. So yeah, that's what. Dude, you know what, Ryan? No one knows that better than myself because you know we created this Discord and I need to commit to spending at least an hour a day on it because honestly, when I've gotten gotten in there early and I've surfaced some things and they've you know resulted in investments, we've done well. This one probably cost me close to a million dollars. If I would have just came across this opportunity earlier, as you're stating, uh, based on how much I generally invest, about three hundred fifty thousand. Uh, quite honestly, I probably would have invested more if it were earlier in the information dissemination cycle. All right. Because so, you know, we're social arb investors, guys, on this channel. For those of y'all that don't know, we initiate investments uh, when we identify um, kind of a dislocation of information. So when there is uh, a chance to arbitrage information and imbalance. OK, we exit the investment when information reaches parity, meaning Wall Street now has fully acknowledged the information we were trading. So a few months ago, we would have been much earlier in the cycle. I would have probably invested six, $700,000. I probably would have made close to $1.5 million. So this is a $1.5 million mistake because I chose to go outside and lay in my hammock for an hour uh, instead of being in our Discord community when I should have found this, you know? And like that's the stuff that really frustrates me about myself. There's just not enough time in 2020. There's too many opportunities. Um, but can you, Ryan, and then I want, uh, Alvin, I want you guys to kind of chime in here. I want to talk about what we think are the best data points, right? Because honestly, at this point, it's all about closely following the data. OK, because at some point, I firmly believe that is just like fine art. Remember, the Dave, Jordan, do you remember the fine art boom? Did that just pop and die in a year? Hell no. It went. It kept going. I think it's still going now. I think it's just starting to deflate. Right. Like after 20 years of, of continuing to accelerate, accelerate, accelerate. And the way the new generation thinks they are connected to pop culture. OK, in a way that boomers never, never were, right? And so I'm not saying this is going to become the new fine art, but it certainly has the capability to be a lot more than just baseball cards were when we were kids, right? Well, it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good analogy, right? Because Gary V said it, he's like, I don't want to own some painting by some random French guy from the 1600s. I want something that I can actually relate to. Well, that, and and, and I, I get it. And Gary V, you know, I, I listen, I, it's not what I want personally, but it doesn't matter what I want. Like the bottom line is people, I think there's an opportunity that this could be something substantially bigger than collectibles have ever been in the last hundred years. I really, I fully believe that. Uh, so Ryan and, and Alvin, what do you think if there's, what are the top three things for people to be looking for? I know what they are, but I want you to tell us and we'll pull them up. Maybe some G trend charts, some social things that we should be looking for, social cues, like, let's discuss right now how we as a community should monitor this generational super cycle to see if it really is one or if it's just going to be a quick pop and flop, okay, that, you know, at some point I'm going to be rushing to my iPhone to sell out of the stock. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess, like, what Nolan from our 
from our from our dumb money community have been saying it's really G trends. And the one thing that people will be Googling when you're trying to search up how do I find out the value of my Pokemon card. And the reason why we're using Pokemon card because they're the biggest brand out there. They have a $90 billion media franchise. And what you really want to search up for on Google Trends will be card grading and see the trend of that. And I think, guys, I want to say this. What's really important about this trade here is that it truly is a global trade. So this company does have a China division, okay? Uh, it's growing rapidly with coins, coin grading. And there's no reason, I'm not sure to the degree that they're doing any card grading in China, but they're certainly capable of expanding internationally. So I think this is a global trend day. When we look at this stuff, I think we should pull global G-trend data um, because, you know, it's debatable. You can pull US global, but card grading is a great core tag for us to monitor. I totally agree. Five-year chart. Look at that. You know what we got, guys? Jordan, Dave, let's all say it here, guys, if you know what I'm thinking. I'm looking at that chart, and I see something. What do we see? Um, We see... Hang on. we got to be full screen so that uh, they can use this in our... All right. All right. I'm looking at this chart, and I'm seeing something I like. I'm seeing... A sustained spike. Spike. You didn't do it in unison. Let's do it one more time. I'm seeing a sustained spike. There's nothing like it. Honestly, nothing excites me more on a G-trend chart than a sustained spike. And I mean, call me a nerd. Call me a data nerd. But it's it's just as good as it gets. I mean, it's as good as it gets. And the original sustained, sustained spike that really made my entire year was the sustained spike that we saw in the show uh, uh, Stranger Things for Netflix like five years ago, four years ago, right? Uh, The first time a Netflix show ever had a sustained spike uh, on its release. And since then, that's that's exactly what we look for. And we're seeing it here. And what that means, guys, is this isn't just like an overnight thing. It's something that, at least for the time being, looks like it has legs, okay? That's huge. What else? What else should we look for besides that tag, guys? What I did, the first thing I looked for was uh, the actual grading companies. Because once you see you know, a car selling for 90 grand plus, the first thing you're going to do is run to your stash of cards, if you have any, and look at you know the, the uh, rare cards you have. And if anyone or material, first thing you're going to want to do is, all right, how am I going to get these graded? You look up PSA grading and Beckett grading. Okay. And that's what I compared. You can even add BGS grading, but Becky would be the more amateur way to look it up. BGS. Yeah, yeah, do BGS grading too, Dave. That's the chief competitor here, guys. Wow. That's wow. nice. And that's nice. worldwide. Are, are these companies international or are people sending their Pokemon cards from all over They're the world? It's mostly American, but they do have a Chinese division and a Japanese division. Yeah which means that they certainly are not afraid to go global, which I like. That's the one thing I like about PSA um, is they have the capability to go global through their parent company. And again, but you know what I love about this company, guys? I told you I'm very frustrated with Matt. Like if you read that hedge fund letter, the activist letter, everything they say in there is true based on my research. Um, But there's so much room to improve. There is so much room There's pressure on this company now from the outside to make the big changes, right? Um, To actually pull in AI, to pull in automation, 
to actually expand their product lines as the gateway to trading card grading, to do so many more things, to generate so much more revenue from their consumer set. Um, and also to uh, quite honestly improve their efficiencies to get these cards graded quicker. So these companies, hiring, these, right, are, guys? these are legacy companies. These are old school companies. Who else is there is out there? Who else is innovating? Is there is there a company like we are invested in this startup company that was originally uh, a company that was building robots to sort through Magic the Gathering cards. That was their whole thing, and they they sold a bunch of those to card shops or whatever. But they pivoted to now sort cannabis. It's it's a it's an interesting pivot. But um, who else is out there? What other innovative companies might be competing? There to- is another third party. It's I think it's called SGA. It's it's like the the third in line compared to the the top three. But uh, CLCT recently, I think October first, like the week of October first, they announced uh, they opened and they jump started a second facility, the same size of their current one to uh, jumpstart this technology, AI scanning, and to kind of really speed this up and not do the classic, you know, by hand manual grading. So this is where I think the profitability is gonna really, really jump. Going Now, forward. can I ask you guys, uh, uh, Alvin and Ryan, what are your thoughts on, when I'm th- I, I started to do a little bit re- of research on regrading, cause I'm always thinking about, and this is probably not the right way to think about this, but I'm like, at some point, do all the vintage cards get graded? And then you kind of literally run out of vintage cards to grade. And then how often does someone need to get a card regraded, if ever? And then where, like, what's, like, the total of addressable market size, right? I'm trying to figure out, do they actually run out of addressable market when it comes to the vintage cards, which are their specialty? And then the only thing left for them to do is what they call bulk grading. Do you guys have any thoughts on how important that is or how risky that that is? So two points I want to note. There is also another viral guy on Facebook. His name is Leonhart on YouTube, but he has a big Facebook channel. Leonhart54. He has over a million followers just on Pokemon card collecting. And he had that big Charizard uh, collector on there. Beckett graded. And they had an episode where they sent all of his, uh, well, like about 10 of his Charizards to PSA grading to get them uh, regraded. And they were very, very, um, they were very, very tough on it. And they didn't regrade anything. I think I had that backwards. They were PSA graded and he sent them to Beckett. So Beckett just verified on par with, with what PSA was saying. The way I compare this is to Bitcoin. When Bitcoin was really, really spiking, that, that's what I compared the Charizard and these other real expensive cards to. Uh, there was uh, these other initial coin offerings that came up that kind of followed the, the trend. If Bitcoin was too expensive, you could always go into Litecoin or these other you know new coins. Pokemon cards are coming out every week. I mean, every every month, every week, new packs. So it's not a dying trend. It's not like these are the only 1999 Pokemon cards that people care about. Like new cards are coming in. So if you can't get hands on the twenty thirty thousand dollar card, you can always buy a new pack and hope that that's going to go up in value. So that's why. Do I you think that cares. unlike what happened to baseball cards, um, which is they just started printing a mass printing them? Do you think Pokemon cards, the new ones, are they doing a good enough job? keeping uh, limited editions truly limited to where they can actually retain the same type of interest, uh, collector interest going forward, or is it going to, they just going to kill it? In my research, I haven't found much on that. I just know the hype is on the 1999 first edition ones. And there's a lot of unopened packs that people are really, really focused on. So that's where the forward momentum is going to really, I want, by the way, guys, I, we're, I'm buying. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a case. I'm gonna go, go find a case of these unopened packs. I, if you're in the community right now, 
I want you guys to help me figure out. This is just so fun. Uh, figure out the best how, place to buy the case. Figure out, you know, get the best price for it. And I want to do something fun with it too. Like I, I really have to give Logan Paul a lot of credit. He had a genius idea. Like he bought the case for two hundred thousand dollars. Then he sold the individual packs for like eleven thousand bucks each. He actually made money, right, doing that. Um, I want to do something market. similar, but even more interesting. Let's figure out something more interesting to do with these cards. I'll go out. I'll buy a case. I want to do something. I, I don't want to make any money personally off of this. Uh, any money that would be made would definitely go to charity for sure. Um, but we can do something that touches the community that would be fun and interesting. Figure out something that we can do in this space. Um, I, I want to understand it better. And the best way to understand because I was never a Pokemon guy, quite honestly, uh, it was after my time is to actually physically engage with the space and learn it for sure. Or if there's something better, if there's something online. better than Pokemon, let me know. Right. Like, like what's wrestling the next thing I... coming? Wrestling cards are, are, are starting to gain a little track, not up there yet, but it, it, it'll be like the next thing. I'm looking at look, someone saying comic books in, in here. Like I'm curious what's the, like the, what's the next level of this, right? Well, where does it go next? I'm a big sneakerhead, right? I have an entire wall of air force ones in my closet, <laughs> you know, they've, they've been popping for years. But that's kind of my concern about this. The, the 99 cards we know are going to be the ones that people, to me, the 99 cards are very relatable to Bitcoin because there's a limited quantity out there in the world. And as long as people think that it's worth something, it'll be worth something. Um, the, the fact that you can just turn on a printer and keep cranking out these cards and maybe have slight variations like, oh, and in 2021, we're going to have a version that we slightly move the background shading a little bit. And that's going to make this like two, 200,000 that we make be slightly better than the 2 million we made. Right. So it, it, it's like there's there's no there's no it's like the money machine. We, the Fed it could just crank up and print as many Pokemon cards as he wants. And that's not going to really make those cards worth anything but the one the original ones are still going to be collectible so I, I just don't know where that world is going i wouldn't i wouldn't be buying it's the like 20 cards as they keep uh, printing out pokemon cards they're going to have to be continuously graded which is perfect for psa which is exactly what we want and i'm 19 years old and i know plenty of people throughout my ages like i grew up with the pokemon and the uvos and with the the whole entire industry and i myself have a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon cards sitting at home somewhere in my attic. And I'm definitely probably going to try to figure out if I have a $10,000 card in there. Yeah, we know they've got a backlog of grading right now. We know people aren't even sending because it takes too long to get things graded. Look, they grew from grading about 600 or so thousand um, collectibles last year to this year, um, the I mean, their fiscal year that just ended, seven hundred and fifteen thousand collectibles. So it's a it's a growing market. They're they've got a good market share. I think they're the known entity, right? And we know that collectibles are growing, so they're going to have business and they're going to have growth in business um, for some time to come. Now, here, here's a good question, guys. Um, other potential trades here. Obviously, Pokemon cards, to my knowledge, the Pokemon game, and I think the cards are owned by the Pokemon Company, which is thirty percent owned. By Nintendo, right? Um, which is a publicly traded stock. We can trade the ADR here in the US. Someone's saying also that Hasbro uh, makes cards, but I thought that Hasbro was not currently making those cards anymore. I thought that was an older thing that they did. 
I don't think they're still making Pokemon cards at Hasbro. I think it's only the Pokemon company direct. And, but if and Hasbro to, made them in the past, maybe they're worth something because Hasbro no yeah, longer. Yeah, but Hasbro's not made. One thing is Hasbro's not involved with new printing new Pokemon cards. You could make a case that this is a net positive for Nintendo uh, as a 30% owner of the Pokemon company. Um, that's a potential play there. Uh, eBay, I don't see eBay benefiting much from this. I think they'll benefit some. I, is it a needle mover for eBay? I, I don't think so. I don't think it would be, guys. Um, I just... I just don't know. All I know is that I think we're going to see more and more influencers and YouTubers and people talking about this, getting involved with it. Um, I'm going to watch the data really closely. What do you think are the negatives, guys? Uh, what are the big risk factors here the next six to nine months that we should watch out for, uh, that I should watch out for, right? I'm now invested. It's what really, are you guys looking at? Really the fact that influencers may think that it's no longer cool and hip to copy what Logan Paul did. But the thing is, it's such a good question. Think about it. If Mr. Beast makes a video, I'm giving, I'm giving away a $30,000 Blastoise. Just number, imagine the number of clicks the, he will get. And he averages 25 million views per video. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the kind of the, the repeat uh, effect on YouTube. That's, that's natural. Our thumbnail for this video is a direct copy of Graham Stephan's thumbnail. But Chris <laughs> is in, uh, in in Logan's place, and I'm in Graham's place. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what what do you guys think? What do you guys think in the community think? Uh, obviously, we have to figure out what this what the what the dissemination rate is of this information that we're trading, right, guys? We know that it's partially disseminated. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, we don't talk about stock price here, but the tr stock price truly does reflect the fact that this information is starting to disseminate. How much? Have we seen this story on CNBC? Have we seen this story on Jim Cramer? Let's just guess, guys. How long is it going to take for Jim Cramer to have the collectible universe story on, right? It could, it could be this afternoon because his producer- Has he had it on yet? I don't know. Right maybe he has. I, maybe um, he has. I, but with how I, viral? I think it'll be, it'll be probably tomorrow. Give him a viral week. Logan Paul has gone. It shouldn't take long. He has eight, no. nine, ten million views already on his thing. It should pop up on his screen somewhere if he goes on YouTube at all. But yeah, it was I think Pokemon cards for a lot of people has is priced in already. So they're gonna look for the next big thing. Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I haven't really seen a hot trend for Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They're getting up there in price. I'm sorry, what cards? Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yu -Oh Yu -Oh. So say that again. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu -Oh. Is it like a, it's similar to Pokemon cards? There was a whole, it was really big back in the early 2000s when I was born. And that's what I basically collected throughout my elementary and middle school. I life. have those too. Really? Yes. I've never even heard of that. You're an old and man. And it was just as big as Pokemon a couple of years after when it was like really popular too. Really interesting. I'll have, yeah. I'll have to check that out. There's a whole so entire generation in America where you spend your whole entire middle school life just. Trade just attacking each other with Pokemon cards, playing the act and, and Yu-Gi-Oh cards, playing the actual game. So, so just wait till Yu-Gi-Oh card goes viral by Logan Paul. I love to trade so much. There's a whole entire collection of cards just in throughout the whole entire American generation that's just stacked and behind a bunch of like hidden behind closets and completely forgotten about. And Logan Paul making videos showing him showing how the people how much value these cards could have. It's just going to unleash that whole entire pile of cards that just have not been 
taken out and seen the light of day in forever. So Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm, I'm writing it down, guys. Is it, What should so, I buy? What cards should I go out and buy a lot of? I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy a quarter of a million dollars of cards, what should I buy? Yu-Gi-Oh! Is that what you think? Like, what do you guys think in the community? Like, well, like, just tell me what to buy. I would dabble in some basketball cards, like some rookie cards that are. I feel know. like basketball is so crazy this last five six months, though. It's been just awesome. Chris. It's all about arbitrage, right? So yeah. with with these things, it's all about figuring out, and especially with sports. Because, I mean, with these TV series and video games and stuff like that, it's kind of known what's rare. But with basketball, it's all about arbitraging some relatively unknown or underappreciated I know, but player. I, I can't do that And then figuring out basketball. who's going to get big, right? I can't. I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that with basketball. I mean, that's where, that's, that's where all the value is, right? I think it's all in that arbitrage. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, correct. And I'm not going to do that with basketball because yeah. I, if I – if I that's that was my scheme, Jordan, earlier this year was to do that with Jordan cards, and I was right. dead right. Like, if I honestly, if I would have done that, I don't know how many Jordan cards I would have been able to amass. Let's just say a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand. I would have made triple quadruple. It would have been a great, even even for my account, it would have been a great trade. And I don't even know, you know, I guess tax treatment is a short term gain, like everything else. But where's the next one, guys? A UGO. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out UGO. Maybe I can buy gathering. Chris, you sound really old when you say UGO. It's UGO. UTO. UGO. 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 Okay, I'll check out the UGO cards. Um, I got it wrong to life. I know it. It's going to be one of those new things. Itself just shows you how like under the radar it is, which is okay. There are five rare UGO pieces. What were those called? Says Kira plays guitar. I I'd like to do the pack thing with Yu-Gi-Oh. I think that would be cool. I like I like the whole mystery of not really knowing what you're gonna have or what you might have in there. I think that's super cool. And I could buy one of those, sit on it for a year until Logan Paul does that or someone else does that, and then come out with it. It won't uh, be. Long. So what is what is that tipping point? What is it? Is it when we see the story on CNBC? Is it when we see Mr. Beast come out with his video? Is it like when when do no. we call the top on this? I, Dave, I think I think the top on this is really simple because there is pretty transparent data that we can monitor. Like we showed you on G Trends, it's not brain surgery. You can easily monitor the volume of cards looking to be graded, right? And as long as that continues to climb to really high levels, I see this as being a really positive tailwind for Collector's Universe, quite honestly. So that's what I'm going to be watching. What is going to drive that, Dave? I don't know if it's Mr. Beast. I don't know if it's a thousand other random YouTubers doing this. I don't know if it's being on the Today Show and you get a bunch of older people doing this. Um, I have no idea what that is, and I don't really care. Um, at this point, I'm just going to watch. Now that it's on my radar, I'm going to watch the data. I'm going to keep an eye on Twitter, too, guys. Did you guys, besides G-Trends, uh, uh, Guys, do you want to talk about any other data points that you're looking at or anything else that you're watching? Because in the report you put together, I did see a whole bunch of tweets that were screenshot. I, I can't share them with you right now, but um, there were a whole bunch of like tweets looking yeah. for PSA, BGS. Yeah, talk to us about the narrative. If I'm on Twitter, right? If I'm on Twitter, I'll tell you what I'm looking for on Twitter, okay? Like the, th the, the tags that I searched on Twitter were um, basically... Uh, I'll pull them up right now. The words uh, PSA, grading, weight, 
time, uh, wait months. And actually it was just PSA wait months, okay? And if you look at those tags, you'll see people just talking about how long the wait is, right? And it's a combination of how many people are discussing that and what the varying weights are based on what they're looking to get graded. Um, and there's probably a much easier way if you just kind of want to hop on their site to see what the current weight is. I'm sure they kind of list it in real time uh, if you contact them. Now, I don't know that they're really, how transparent they are about the wait times. And by the way, the wait, it might be a good thing if their wait times drop with that second facility coming on board. But as long as they're in, as long as there's continued interest in this world and it continues to accelerate, there's only one pure play. Again, guys, remember this. The market is not always rational when there's only one pure play. Do you remember Tesla? Why was Tesla as insanely valued as it was? It was literally the only way for a long time for the entire world to institutionally invest in the EV market. You had one way to do it. That was Tesla, right? Yep. If there were six different companies in this space, you can make a case of, well, you know, you can spread your money out. There's a lot of market cap there. Um, maybe this company will do better than this company. But there's like one way to do it if you want to invest in the public market. It's Collector's Universe. That's what and I it's love. like, what, 70 to 80% of their business or more? Yeah, uh, it, the thing is, it could get irrationally high. It could get irrationally overbought and stay there for a pretty long time. So I'm not looking at the stock price. I, I just, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm looking at the underlying data and the momentum of this cultural shift that we're seeing. I think a really good one. Institutions were selling off in September before the influencers got on board and began touting like Pokemon cards and grading. That's before that, if that even happened. So I do not really think institutions, institutional investors actually realize how much this company has, this company will actually gain in a number of in revenue streams. And it's a half billion dollar stock guys, right? It's a half billion dollar stock that actually makes 10 million a year profit. It's not a levered company that's not profitable. Um, you know, there's not a lot, just so you guys know, there's not a lot of room in a half billion dollar stock for any institution for the most part. Wow. So it's, it's almost like a micro cap at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's really small. So even a bunch of Robin Hooders can get this thing cooking, uh, <laughs> pretty big. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty small, uh, company. Yeah, we get Dave Portnoy coming in to read my doc. Oh man, Portnoy. No, you know what? I, you did mention that. Tell me about Port. Is he on this yet? Has he talked about it? No, he hasn't, but I've been, I've been trying to get his attention by uh, tweeting it. Like, how I got your attention. Okay, okay, guys. Community, dumb money community. Uh, feed this to Portnoy's guy. What's, what's the, who's the guy that we fed? <laughs> we didn't feed anything to him. He's, he, met, he randomly started talking about uh, Suburban Propane Partners about two weeks after our, our, our deal, right? And then yeah. he brought it to During Portland. the middle of that, that little live stream they do in that living room, I was like, hey, I got something to tell you about. Where'd you hear about it? I can't tell you, but I'm pretty sure it was dumb money. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Get Portnoy talking about it. Listen, I, I don't care. I'm looking at the underlying data. Uh, Albin, anything else you could think of that you're looking at here to, to monitor the situation as an investor? I think the best thing to track would be Gary from Pawn Stars, the guy with the Charizard collection. If yeah. he he's like a to the heart guy, he does never, never, ever want to sell these. If he ever decides to sell off more of his cards, and he's the guy that that's he went because if he's selling, he's the guy that uh, Logan just went to in Vegas, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And Dave, I don't think this guy is going to like unload. (laughs) He's a, uh, oh, what's the word for this guy? I mean, he's just, he's, this is his life, right? Like it's, he could obviously sell these things and, you know, upgrade his lifestyle, but he's probably very happy living the life he's living. And he's very passionate about this subject matter. I don't necessarily see him selling this because it's part of his identity, right? So having these cards has become his identity. In fact, I'm looking at that video, the Logan Paul video, and I'm thinking, dude, I hope people can't look up this guy's address. I'd be really concerned to be living in that house with $10 million of Pokemon cards now on YouTube. Right? (laughs) That's a concern. Definitely. I'm sure he's fortified uh, his uh, collection, though. I'm sure he just brought that onto the house because he knew Logan was coming just for, like, the video. I'm sure he keeps it in, like, a bank vault, you know, and, like, a security deposit box. I'm just, you know, speculating that. Box. So someone in Logan's uh, new video, did he actually buy one? Did he sell one to Logan? Someone's yeah, saying he, he sold one. Yes, a grade 10. Like, he wouldn't, like, Gary was not willing to sell him a Beckett 10 card. Gotcha. <laughs> How much did he sell that one card for? Gary owns two of the Beckett 10 he sold it to logan for 150k yeah one psa way over like value yeah so so here's the question for you guys um there how many of those exist how many of the tens exist there has to be a lot more than this guy in vegas right i think there's roughly 100 charizards psa tens that we know of how many do we think exist though beyond the ones we know of any idea that were ever printed because you only know about the ones that you know of, right? The no, they, you were, they, they were printed in 1999, and so like if you were trading them with your friends and whatever do happened, we to know how many unopened. Attic. Do we know how many unopened boxes or packs there are left? Does anyone have a clue? 99. There's no data selling a lot on eBay, but there's no like way to track it now. Yeah, and, and I wonder I how. I wonder if they're all legit or if these packs are able to be resealed, like steam sealed, because um, that was a big scam back in the baseball card days. A lot of people grade the packs too. They sent the pack in, and the service grades the pack to verify that it's a real pack. Okay, that that's interesting. Not many, but there's you know. I want to get one of these Charizard cards, guys. I want to get a, <laughs> and, and you know what's so funny is that. So let me ask you a question. Why is the Beckett 10 worth more than the PSA 10? Are they tougher on grading that? I think the Beckett 10, because of the way they grade, they have like four, four ways of grading, centering, uh, corners, edges, and surface. And if you have like a perfect 10 across the board, you get like a black label. And that's like very, very like sought after. Like you never get a black label. It's like getting like a, I don't know. Like a, being a double black belt in karate or something. This, so this drives me crazy because, because couldn't you just like slip them some money on the side and get get the black label? Like, I mean, being the, how the, like random people are deciding the value. Yeah, being how like the executives and board of these companies are like they're really more into the industry than they are about the money. I don't think they'd ever be you know into doing something like that. I mean, he you barely did. pulled the Charizard off of uh, Gary from Fallen Stars. He just gave it to Logan because he really like liked Logan, not because he wanted the money. Okay, oh, and it brings more notoriety to this whole industry. Yeah, um, yeah, which obviously increases the value of all of his cards, right? Listen, I want to buy a pack like right now today. Can we? Can I go on right now on eBay and buy a pack of this and have it overnighted for our next show? I, I want to open up a pack next week. If you do, screen share it so we can uh, we can watch you buy it. 
Although I although I think the packs are probably overpriced this week, <laughs> right? I mean, they have to be. Overpriced. Yeah, weren't they? Well, I saw the video; they were going for like twenty grand or something like that oh. for an unopened pack. Yeah, they were overpriced at eleven grand. It, try to look for a heavyweight uh, pack because those are yeah, like. Yeah, I know they're charging more for the heavyweight packs because yeah, they're, they're guaranteed, guaranteed to have the hologram in it or something. Right. Yeah, guaranteed to have a hologram. So let me ask you a question: Is the Charizard te- is that a hologram? So you, you know that you're not get, no chance of getting that unless you have a hologram pack. Yeah. Okay, that's like the it's like the best hologram essentially. The hologram Charizard first edition is like cream of of, of the crop. It's like. The number one most sought after card. That's what you need, Chris, for sure. All right, I'm going to buy a hologram pack. Okay. Two ways you can do it: either buy a hologram pack, you know, like heavyweight base set pack, first edition, or just go to Gary and offer him a crazy, crazy, like triple over asking. It's, I, that won't I happen. I guarantee you, no you get it for three hundred thousand dollars. I, you know, listen, I'm all about <laughs> guaranteed. Dude, I, <laughs> I, I'm happy if I could find the right pack at the right price to, to roll the dice, but there's no way. Uh, I'd like to buy a box, actually. With the run you anyway, guys have been on, I, I would have done the Charizard. It's crazy. What was that, Dave? If you bought the whole box, it would give you a way better chance. Still unlikely, but way better. Yeah. yeah, he didn't get any Charizard 10s in his uh, in his box. Uh, a Charizard it hasn't been graded yet, though. It's it, it just came out of the box. Wait, did he no, get one? They pulled yeah. one Charizard. Yeah. It ha- it's yet to be graded. It's not graded. Yeah, but because be a there's like a tiny nickel. Oh, it so is Chris, if you is? do this, there's Most apparently a proper way that you're supposed to open the packs also. So you probably need to study how to open the packs so that you don't mess with the card. You can watch hours huh. of Logan opening cards and right. see how he accidentally may, may have messed up the corner of his Charizard. Yeah, I want to get in on this, or guys. It just, it just happened, though. I mean, it, do, do most of the defects happen in the printing process i think so that that that's where it is because if they're if it's off-centered that has nothing to do with you how, how you took care of the pack what you did to the card it's just chance but if the it's corner like is dollar bill or dollar bill that's yeah and sometimes they're like a little like just a little little touch and that'll like bring like the, the grade down a, a little bit something yeah that could either control. be from the die that's actually cutting it or it could be exactly yeah exactly so it's all luck at that point just get an iron out and just flatten it back down. It's all good. I don't think that would help the, the theme on. <laughs> I don't think an iron. I'd be helps. terrible. At, I'd be terrible at card collecting. Oh man, yeah. I, I, if someone said to yeah, my kids, "What if they showed up?" My kids would probably open it up and start playing with it. Uh, oh man. Okay, guys, I want to talk about something again. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. But before you leave, uh, I will talk about since we have community on the show today. We mentioned this yesterday. We are going to set up, and we want to get the community's opinion on it. Um, uh, Leon, if you're watching today, could we please open up a Discord channel? Uh, I am going to open up a brokerage account for the community. I'm going to put $20,000 in it, okay? Uh, And any money that we may, I, I want to have a systematic way to let the community decide what to invest in on a weekly basis. Uh, we need to come up with a community as a way to vote or figure out, is it one trade a week? Is it two trades a week, three trades a week? Like, what is a way that we can do this and have the whole community pitch in on it? And I think half the profits that come out of that are going to go into uh, my charitable foundation. Uh, half the profits go to the community. And what I mean by going to community, half the profits will go towards something for the community, whether it's an annual party in Vegas, a dumb money 
get together. Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm just going to start at 20 K if this thing goes really well, I'm not adverse to making this a pretty big sized account and letting the community manage it. Um, and again, letting 50% of the proceeds after taxes go to whatever the community wants to do with it, right? It could be an annual thing, event, something. So I want to get everyone's opinion on this. This is not for us. This is for the community because a lot of the people in our community, I think it would be really cool to see how well the community can do with a trading account um, just using social ARB. I think it'd be really fun. I would. I want to give this to the community and I think it's something the community can give back to charity and also kind of have some fun money to use on its own. So, you know, you know, again, Leon, if you're watching, let's open up that channel in Discord. Let's have people start thinking, brainstorming ideas for it. Jordan will code something, right, Jordan? <laughs> we need to for the voting or find something to figure that out. And then they will do actually uh, the trading in some kind of a platform that lets you watch the trades, you know, some kind of one of those things where you can share and, and see a portfolio so that everyone can see what's in it and how it's doing. Totally, totally. Um, I'll probably just open up another Ameritrade account um, just so I can like trade it at the same time as my other stuff for the community. Um, but it'll be the community deciding all the trades on this stuff and, and then getting the advantage. And we'll start it off at 20K. We'll see how it goes. If it's a huge success, maybe we'll increase it dramatically the size of that account. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I look forward to getting all of your opinions on that. Cool. Very cool. All right. Guys, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to try to be more active in Discord. Jordan, Dave, we all need to be more active in Discord. Why? Because we need to make more money. Because and, that's where the good uh, ideas are. That's where you know all the things that are below the surface are lingering in these in these Discord channels, these rooms that that I don't spend enough time. I didn't I didn't make it down to this until emails started coming to me about hey you got to you got to see this right. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Chris's attention like crazy about this. I even I noticed that um, Chris never noticed the channel, the Discord channel. Uh, never went on the Discord channel, even though it even though the CLCT ticker channel was actually created in our Discord group. So I just created a whole entire doc and I kept trying to get your attention, Chris. I'm was sorry. That- At minimum, I need to regularly check almost every day the, the high conviction channel because when someone does enough work to actually put something in the high conviction channel like you did, Ryan, that's a tremendous amount of work to put together uh, a you know deep dive uh you know, spreadsheet with all the research, all the work, the least we can do is take a look at the high conviction channel every day uh, on all those, all those ideas. We're going to commit to doing that guys. So if you do the work, we'll do it. Great work, both you guys and everybody in the discord community. I know there's stuff in there right now. I need to be looking at, right. So like in addition to discord, we now also have a Reddit. And for me, being able to filter the good things at the top by upvoting is a way to let the community decide what needs more attention. So we, we might want to start thinking about a way to have more of like the high conviction stuff or the, the things that, that are actually research and, and where we need to have a conversation around a single piece. Because in Discord, it's an ongoing conversation. And if you start at the bottom every time, you may have missed something really important at the top. And Reddit will filter the good stuff to the top. So we need to just figure out as a community how to best surface the best information and, and make it easier to find for everyone. And guys, I want to do something with this card hype. If there's something out there, that I, I wrote down the type of cards you were talking about earlier. Uh, if it's comic books, whatever it is, could you please comment on this video and let me know what's the next big thing? And I don't mean the next big thing happening in five years. 
I think the next th big thing that's likely to pop this next year, maybe we can arbitrage that, get a little ahead of it. Uh, we'll do a show on that. We'll buy some cards. We'll buy some comic, whatever it is, right? Uh, let me know what your ideas are. Uh, we really appreciate it. Albert, did I just see that you were wearing a Dumb Money t-shirt? Oh, yeah, look at that. There we go. Merch in the house. Nice. Trees. Thank you for that. That's no, awesome. no, thank you. And we're going to send you guys, uh, Leon, let, let's make sure uh, we send both these guys uh, uh, some gift cards uh, to the merch shop to get them even more Dumb Money merch. We got Dave's has new shirts going all the time. Dave's going to work on that, that Peloton shirt. Store, if, you go, if you go to dumbmoney.tv, there's a link to the store or just merch.dumbmoney.tv. It's there's a lot of good stuff in there, and we try to keep the prices at rock bottom. We actually, I think, lose money if you only order one item. We make a little bit just to cover the shipping, but it's 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 a really cool way because we love people. We, we basically made it because we like wearing our own stuff, and so we opened it up to you guys. Dude, and Collector's Universe is up today, buck ninety. I'm up a little bit, up a little bit of my investment. Hey guys, awesome. I'm so hey, thank, proud thank of you guys coming on. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be yeah. here. Yes. All right, guys. That was awesome. I, I, it's man, so good I, to be able to include include the community. The fact that we have this community that's doing the work, that's thinking about things the way that we think about it. it this has always been just us having phone calls and going to lunch together and talking about stocks. Now we have like other people who, who kind of are thinking the same way we do and have the same investing philosophies, and it really just helps us find what to invest in. So uh, hold on, Simon is giving me some information on what cards I need to look for on these Yu-Gi-Oh. Hold on, I'm gonna take a photograph of that, so I have it. <laughs> I love how you take pictures instead of like screenshots. You just take a picture of your screen. I take a picture of the comments so I know what to look for later. Um, I'm gonna do it, guys. Like I, I'm at God. I love. I love it. These guys found this early, man. Look, he doubled his money. God, so awesome. So, awesome. so awesome. Dude, there's just too much opportunity. Just for we can't cover everything. We need the community to help us surface stuff, research stuff. Uh, I'm in now. I'm in late, but we're just getting started. Uh, what else, guys? Anything else going on today? We need to be focused on. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. Let's let's get out of here. So I need to research Pokemon and you go, you go more. We're going to be back again tomorrow, though, because we're doing this every day, five days a I week. Might, I might buy a pack of cards for tomorrow. Who knows? That would be, be cool. Time. If you can find the pack that you want, we should definitely have you um, buy it right on the show. Could you imagine the uh, the chaos of me opening up a pack of you go more, you go <laughs> I can't say it. Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. The problem is, if you do it online, or if you do it on, if you do it live, you're going to get so many. Everybody's probably got different opinions on how to do it properly. You're going to get roasted. I'm going to get roasted, but that's part of the fun. And I'm not yeah. going to know what these cards are. I'm going to be you're going to be mispronouncing on... all of them. Like, did you even had you even heard the term Charizard? Did you even know what that no. is? I think it's like a char charcoal lizard. Let's have let's have the dumbest. Uh, they don't call it an unwrapping. What's it called? What do they call it when you open this up? It's called like a pulling pulling a card. No, a what? They call it pulling pulling a card, right? No, but not just pulling a card. The pull process has a name to it. Wow. We would have we would do the worst. Show. We would get ripped on so hard. I'd be denting the cards as I'm taking them out. Not knowing Why would which you do that? Why wouldn't you like set up a nice area in your kitchen and have a camera the way he did, where you can actually see a close up of, of you opening it and you do it delicately? You could actually I like, do this. I, I know feel you like can. Everybody else, what, what, 
Why do I do anything like everybody else? Do I do gonna... anything like anybody else? No. Do I do I even look at stock price when I invest? Do I even look at any? It, of course not. I'm gonna have to do it there. I will do my best to. I will wear gloves because you don't want to get fingerprint. But he wasn't wearing gloves. Logan wasn't wearing gloves. No, he wasn't. I was a little surprised. I was right. So like, like maybe I wore gloves. Right. He was doing this for other people. Other people gave him money to open his packs. Yeah, it, it's you know it's not called an unboxing. It's called a breaking. Breaking. Yes, thank you guys. Breaking. Uh, oh, I guess because he broke a box or you break a pack. Is that what they call breaking a pack? I want to break a pack on the show of something this next week. I got to go because I got to figure out what I, that something is going to be. I so, just um, got a package in the mail that I need to unbox on my other channel. Hey there, Dave here. That's a tease. But Cody Carpio, he says. Cody, you say, please do not buy packs of Hugio cards if you don't know anything about it. Why? Isn't that the whole concept of I can do it with you guys and with all the Hugio people and they can educate me as I'm opening them? Like, like I don't need to know about it before I do it, but I'll learn about it as I'm doing it. And maybe more of the world will learn about Hugio together and maybe we will help accelerate the Hugio movement, which will increase the value of the Yu-Gi-Oh cards I uncover. Quite possible. Quite possible. Why not? Who knows? All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Before you leave, if you haven't, hit that like button. Subscribe, hit the bell so you know when we're on. Subscribe to my other channel. Hey there, Dave here. I have an unboxing of my own coming up. It might be a uh, new credit card that nobody in the world has ever seen. That's a tease. <laughs> first one card. ever. Literally. They, they, they shipped me the first one they've ever made. I can't up. wait to find out about this. It's well, I, have to I, film it. About I, this. I might actually need to borrow your camera because for this, I might want to get that other camera moving over there. So I is this a card it. that I might want? It actually is. Really? And it's a no annual fee card. I'm fine paying annual fee if it's a I, but I like I want a great card. Like I want a great card. Well, you'll have to watch so. my video and find out what this card is <laughs> and if it's worth it. I literally do. That's the that's the greatest thing. Dave is not going to tell me this. I will actually find out about this watching Hey There Dave here. You you find out about most like you watch my videos and you're like, I loved that. I can't believe you. <laughs> I love it. You're, well, you're I know like, you're, you're like my best fan. I know you're taping a video too when you go dark for like a day. I'm like, oh, yeah. Dave's doing a Hey There Dave here. He's going dark for a day. When I don't respond to texts, it's not because I'm filming. It's because I'm editing. The editing, editing yeah. on those things is just yeah. intense. Wait, what is accommodation? What, what's all these people asking about accommodation boom? Can someone tell me what the hell you're talking about here? Accommodation. Someone in, so it says you guys going long on accommodation yet or holding back? Is that, I, I guys, I'm in the dark on this. And while you're Googling that, I'm going to also remind people that we do have a podcast. If you missed anything that we said today, you can uh, listen to it at your leisure on our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and on TikTok and Twitch. We're at Dumb Money TV. Our uh, handles for Twitter are on the screen right there at Dave Hansen, at Chris Camillo, at Jordan underscore McLean, because underscore is a great middle name. We have comments. After this video becomes an archive, comment down below because we try to read every single one and respond to as many as we can. Did you figure out what accommodation is yet, Chris? Are people talking about hospitality, like hotels and things like that? Um, oh, okay. Hospitality. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, but we will have an episode about this uh, at some point, probably before the election, maybe slightly after the election. 
playing out, having that scenario played out for exactly what you're going to do in terms of going long on hospitality and travel and being prepared to do it at that right moment in time is everything. It's the very last trait of the pandemic, in my opinion. And it could be one of the biggest trades of the pandemic. We're going to talk about it on a future episode. So make sure that you get our notifications, click the bell, because that's an episode you absolutely do not want to miss. Actually, we have some kind of sick episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you click that bell so you don't miss them. For sure. Thanks for watching. We are Dumb Money. We will be back here tomorrow. Mm -hmm.